While the global economy has experienced a rapid recovery from the coronavirus crisis, 2021 has also brought its share of challenges. Supply chain disruptions, labor shortages, rising inflation, and new COVID-19 variants have sparked worries about the state of future growth. My name is Terry Baines, and today I am very happy to have Nordea's Group Chief Economist Helia Peterson here to reflect back on the past year and also ahead to the new one. Hi, Helia. Great to have you here. Thank you, Terry. Nice to be with you. So just jumping right in, what have been the biggest economic surprises this year? Has anything caught you off guard? Yes, uh, for sure. I would say that I've been surprised by a number of things, not least the very high inflation prints we have seen recently. I was just checking our call at the beginning of the year, and uh, we expected uh, the U.S. inflation to average 2.2% for the year. It looks like it will be around 4.5%, and we expected inflation to hover around 1% in the euro area, and we will end up around 2.5%. So definitely the very high inflation rates have uh, surprised us uh, a lot, and uh, I would say that uh, I've also been surprised by the really long delivery times which we have seen in uh, in the world uh, production lines uh, this year. So uh, many things have actually surprised us. Um, we've seen a rapid uh, global economic recovery from this seismic shock of the pandemic. Well, what's been driving the solid recovery? I would say that it's a combination uh, of uh, a, f a few things, not least the extremely lenient economic policy. I mean, uh, fiscal policy has been... Uh, record lenient this year and so has monetary policy. Uh, we will see that many countries end up with huge uh, public uh, deficits uh, for the year. So uh, so the very easy uh, economic policy is uh, one of the key reasons behind the solid recovery and then of course also the rollout of efficient vaccination programs, not least in the advanced economies because that meant that we could open up uh, societies at a relatively early stage. Uh, so uh, so the combination of, uh, of economic policy and uh, the vaccination programs, and it has not least been the advanced economies which have been benefiting from this. Uh, the situation has been a di bit different in the uh, emerging uh, markets, not, not least in the, the poor countries worldwide. You mentioned the vaccination rollouts. Uh, here in Euro Europe, we're now entering a new wave of COVID-19 and lockdowns um, with the Omicron variant shaking markets. Do you see this latest wave derailing the recovery? No, actually, I, I don't think that it will derail the recovery as such. Uh, I mean, we see some new um, containment measures being implemented in a number of countries, but I, I would say that we have been... We have shown that we are able to live with the pandemic now. We have learned to live with the pandemic. And if you see the impacts uh, on private consumption, I think they will be very, very limited. Uh, as we saw during the other lockdowns, if we couldn't spend money on services and we spent more on goods, uh, and that has kept up private consumption. And I think the same will happen uh, this time. So um, I don't think that we will see a really derail of the recovery, but we will probably see that the Q4 numbers will be relatively weak and so will also Q1 numbers be, but it will only mean that consumption and investment activities will be postponed to 
a, a later quarter. So I, I, I don't think that it will matter much when we look at, say, the annual growth rates for 2021 or 2022. So uh, I'm fairly optimistic. And if you see the reactions on financial markets, they have been really limited uh, when the corona uh, uh, pandemic broke out uh, last year in, in, in the winter time. We saw some really big corrections in financial markets. As every new uh, variant have popped up, then these uh, uh, swings in markets have been become uh, smaller and smaller. So uh, I, I would say that's a very good indication that we have learned to live with the pandemic. And uh, as purchasing power is still huge uh, around uh, the globe, I would say with we have had booming equity markets, we have had booming real estate markets, purchasing power is high. There is a big spending willingness also from, from the public sector still. Then I, I think that, that we will look into a, a relatively good year also in 2022. Okay. Um, you mentioned as one of the, the surprises from this year, the uh, supply shortages and disruptions um, uh, you, we've also been reading in the media about the massive backlog of container ships stuck queuing up outside ports in California, unable to unload. Um, what's going on there? And do you see the recovery losing steam as a result of this? I would say that uh, the recovery has already lost uh, steam from uh, all these backlogs and the disruptions in the value chain. Uh, it's very, very much about a massive transport logistics issue as demand for, for goods not least in the US, investment goods and consumption goods has been huge. Uh, as I mentioned before, as the service sector has been locked down from time to time and uh, purchasing power has been strong due to all these generous compensation schemes, uh, demand has been transferred from services to goods and, and really many of the consumption goods they are produced in China. So they are shipped to the US, but the thing is that uh, the harbor capacity in the US is not sufficient to unload all the ships right now. So they're just waiting there, <laughs> lining up to, to unload uh, their, their, their cargoes. Um, and as long as they're lining up and cannot be unloaded, then they cannot return into, so to speak, to China to be loaded again. Uh, and even when they are returning to China, then it has been a bit problematic as the Chinese harbor capacity has also been, been running relatively low because of China's zero tolerance uh, against COVID-19. So whenever there has been an outbreak of, of the, the virus and parts of the of the capacity has been locked down in China. So there is a huge mismatch uh, right now in, in container traffic. Uh, and uh, talking to shipping experts, they are saying that this mismatch is not going to be resolved anytime soon. So I, I guess actually that uh, we can we can wait to see also these very long delivery times uh, lasting into, say, the half or the, the latter part of, of, of next year. So I don't think it will be resolved uh, before, at least uh, before before nine months from now on. So uh, it's, it's still quite, uh, quite complicated, I would say. But the good news is that there is a record uh, order of uh, new container ships. So they will be in the market in 2023, but, uh, but 2022 will be challenging also in, in this respect, yes. Um, another challenge has been increasing cost pressures, both for consumers and companies. Um, what's driving this? Is it? I mean, now we've you've mentioned the uh, 
supply chain disruptions and is is that the main driver or or what's driving it and how how long do you expect this to continue yes i I mean with the mismatch we were talking about before in the container freight uh, i mean shipping costs they have uh, exploded over the years so transportation costs they have increased sharply because of this then commodity prices uh, have uh, risen uh, a lot over the the year they were they were very much down in the beginning of the pandemic but now as the recovery has uh, has gained steam then also the demand for commodities have increased sharply leading to very sharp uh, increases in prices and then uh, Lately also uh, energy prices uh, have been rising sharply because of uh, lack of supply of uh, Russian gas into the uh, the European uh, uh, stocks uh, and that has driven up uh, the prices for natural gas and that has again then also led to uh, sharper increases in, in alternatives like, like oil again and, and also coal prices have increased sharply. So energy prices have also been rising uh, sharply. So the combination of this uh, has led to the big cost pressure which we are seeing on most corporations globally these days and also I would say on households. So, so, so that's a major reason. L- lots of demand and uh, supply disruptions. And how long do you see this continuing? Uh, I, I would say that at least for the first quarter of the year, I would expect the prices to be uh, fairly elevated. Uh, but then as uh, we are moving into 2022, I think that, that the supply will, will again be more elastic uh, and, and we will see that, that this cost pressure will, will level off. Uh, but uh, I think that we will still have relatively high producer prices also uh, throughout 2022 compared to what we have had for the past uh, many years. And strangely enough, despite the pandemic, labor markets are now very tight um, in many different parts of the world. Uh, And we have companies reporting difficulties recruiting workers. Um, And at the same time, as we just discussed, we have these rising consumer prices. Uh, Where do you see this going in terms of inflation? And I know that's been one of the hottest topics this year. Um, what's the outlook there? Yeah, I, I would say that the labor market situation is indeed a kind of a conundrum, and that's also something which actually took us by surprise that we have seen these very tight labor markets uh, arriving already now in the recovery. I think that it's uh, due to the fact that um, some have seemingly decided to leave the labor force during the pandemic, maybe they have retired or maybe they have been starting a, a study or whatever. Uh, for one reason or another, not least in the US, the li- labor force participation rate has, has declined quite significantly. Uh, the mobility of, of labor has been reduced significantly due to all the travel restrictions, which we have seen also being uh, in place uh, throughout 2021. Uh, and then demand for uh, labor has really been booming as societies have been reopened. Uh, it has been like a kind of a, a ketchup effect, so to speak, in, in demand. And uh, the labor supply has just simply not been there or there has been some mismatches you know, between the qualifications which the unemployed is having and then the demand uh, for, 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 for qualifications amongst the employers. So uh, that that has been a, a really big problem, and just to mention here in in, in Denmark, where 
you and I, we are living, uh, we have never ever seen so many corporations claiming that the biggest problem for them right now is to get qualified labor. And uh, that that's of, of course, that will lead to higher uh, wages. Uh, there is already a mounting wage pressure in, um, in many countries. Um, and uh, again, that could be passed uh, through to, uh, to also the consumers. So it can also again lead to some higher inflation prints uh, during 2022. So we have really a, a mounting cost pressure for many, many corporations uh, worldwide. No doubt about that. And when do you see central banks reacting to these inflation pressures? Can we expect higher interest rates on the horizon? Yes, on the horizon we can. <laughs> and I mean, there are already a number of central banks who have started to uh, hike rates, uh, like uh, Bank of Norway and the Polish Central Bank, the Czech Central Bank. Uh, and in the US, we have seen Fed announcing uh, a tapering of their asset purchase program. Uh, and that could maybe already end by uh, the spring next year. And then the way is open for, for Fed also to start hiking rates. So my expectation is that when we are around summertime, then Fed has alre already started to, to hike rates as the inflation prints are so high as they are in the US uh, these days. Uh, Turning to, to Europe and the European Central Bank, I mean, they will be lagging uh, the Fed. Uh, and I don't expect uh, ECB to start hiking rates before the end of 2023, so uh, we will have negative rates in, in Europe for, for a while. They will also start tapering their uh, asset uh, purchases. They will end the pandemic uh, emergency purchasing program as already announced by the end of March next year, but then they will uh, uh, speed up their, their ordinary uh, APP, uh, but, but, but they will only start hiking rates uh, late in, in, in the cycle, maybe too late. Time will show. What's the reason for the caution there? Uh, there are a number of, 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 of reasons. Uh, first and foremost, that there is this big discrepancy between the EA countries. Uh, I mean, while in the, the northern part of, of Europe, uh, the economy have almost already recovered from the pandemic, seeing by the GDP levels uh, where they are now compared to uh, the pre-pandemic uh, levels, while in some of the South European countries the situation is very different, not least the countries which are very dependent on, say, tourism. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a difficult balancing act for the European Central Bank to start hiking rates because they need to care for the whole euro area. Uh, and and I would also claim that it's a it's a it's, it's a risk factor that uh, the debt has increased as much as it has in uh, the European countries uh, during the pandemic. Because if ECB is starting to to taper too fast and too much, uh, then it could have some implications for long term. Uh, bond yields, uh, which could uh, make it more difficult to service uh, the sovereign debt in the future, just like in, in case that they started to hike rates uh, too much and, and, and too early. So there are also some considerations to this uh, debt service, uh, which can be problematic. I mean, you could see that uh, the debt situation could be uh, unsustainable in a number of years if interest rates goes up too fast and too much. Even aside from that question of the the uh, rate increases, do you see the debt picture now as unsustainable? Or um, I know you mentioned the 
the the ballooning public debt. Yeah, I I I I don't th I don't see it unsustainable uh, at the present rates, uh, and when uh, when central banks are buying large shares of 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 the debt, uh, but if you look beyond twenty twenty five, I do see some 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 risks uh, for some new sovereign debt crisis, uh, unless that fiscal policy is being tightened relatively significantly over the, the years to come. And I would say when we talked about the ECB, then uh, ECB is still of the belief that uh, the bigger part of the increase in the inflation prints, uh, they are so-called uh, transitory. So uh, they do expect that inflation is peaking right now and that it by 2023 actually will again be below the target of 2%. So it's also, of course, about the inflation outlook from the central banks, uh, which is decisive for their, their actions. Um. Okay. Um, okay, Helia, so what are some of the other big themes that you're paying attention to now as we head into 2022? I would say that... Uh, the climate changes and the green and the digital transformation will be one of the major themes in uh, the years to come, not only f next year, but, but in the years to come, uh, no doubt about that. And both fiscal and monetary policy are getting more and more devoted to support the transformation. So I think that's something which everyone will have to relate themselves to uh, in the course of 2022. That will be the theme also in uh, financial markets. Um. Great. And then wh what do you see as the top three biggest risks um, for the economy now as we head into 2022? say uh, first and foremost the pandemic uh, we are not yet out of the woods uh, we have seen that with uh, with with the omicron uh, variant so uh, many new mutations uh, can can follow suit uh, so the pandemic is definitely one of the top three risks um, secondly inflation i mean as we have been talking about uh, the prints now are, are high and there are clearly risks that we will see the cost pressure leading to, to further increases uh, over the course of uh, 2022 and that possibly also a kind of such a wage price spiral could be started. So uh, I would uh, really watch out for inflation uh, over next year and uh, it will be really interesting to see uh, the central bank's uh, reactions if they will be more hawkish or aggressive than we are uh, expecting right now. And uh, finally, the another risk uh, is if something occurs I don't know what sometimes, you know, you have to expect the unexpected, but uh, that we could see new sharp corrections in both equity and real estate markets. I mean, uh, the, the, the increases we have seen over the past few years are to my mind quite uh, unsustainable. Um, so um, there's definitely a risk that we will see something occurring which will lead to to, to sharp corrections. Uh, on the other hand, in if that happens, then I'm pretty sure that the most central banks worldwide will turn very dovish again. Great. Um, well, as always, Helia, very interesting to hear your insights. And I know we'll be reconvening again in January when we have the uh, economic outlook coming out. We will. And um, in the meantime, I will wish you a happy holiday season. And um, for all listeners, you can find more of Helia's research at uh, corporate.nordea.com. Mm -hmm.